Welcome in to this week's episode of It's Who Tells Well, Tom Hackett, Steve Bartle. With you guys, as always, thank you for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. Hope your day slash week. Oh, that's the dog. That's just, did you hear that? The dog? Just yeah, I did. Whipping yeah. Head around. That's Berkeley making an appearance. Uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic, people. I do apologize. This isn't going to be perfect regardless. Nateway Subaru, 1207 South Mate Street. We appreciate them for all their generosity in sponsoring this show. And uh, we highly recommend you guys go check out their low-pressure carbine experience timeout. We don't put this show on YouTube, which we need to start, because you just picked up a mug with crystals, Steve. Yeah, it's my uh, my Thanos mug. That's, that's the that's the Infinity Stones. You okay? I mean, you learn something new every day, especially when you tune into this podcast. So you're a big Thanos fan? Well, my brother got it for me for my birthday, you know. So, and it's a giant mug. Like I've basically put in a whole liter of Mountain Dew in there, and like it's just a cup, man. Like it's huge. Yeah, no, that looks like the size of your hand. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, obviously, I'm holding it closer, but like we could do a side by side. Like it's, I mean, it's it's a big cup, you know. Yeah, so, no, that's uh, impressive. It just threw me, I guess, for a yeah. Bit of a sorry, I should I should have gave you a fair warning. You know, a lot of coffee in the morning in that thing, and you know, water throughout the day. Mountain Dew sometimes, whatever. Obviously, I cleaned it out. I don't like to mix drinks or whatever. That's kind of yeah. Gross. I was gonna say, do the do though. You're a doer. So, uh, hey, before we get started, can we talk about your golf game? You upload nowadays. You upload if anybody follows you on. The social media ways, they need to. It's at sbartle247. Uh, you upload a lot of golf content now, and I'm enjoying it thoroughly, Steve. Do you play every day? Uh, I have this week. Man, it's been crazy. Like Somehow Kendra allows me to go out every day, whether it's hitting the range or doing nine or 18 holes. Man, this week it's been hitting a lot of, hitting a lot of holes. Mountain Dell twice this week, Bonneville, and then I did the Ridge out in Kearns last night, which was fantastic. Actually, you know, went out with a Ute Zone subscriber last night, which was, uh, that was a lot of fun to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been great, man. And, and, like, the thing of it is, like, we've talked about this, you know, texting back and forth. You hit that one shot that brings you back, but then, like, you start to hit, you know, multiple shots in a round, and then, you know, you start to hit it consistently. And it's just, it keeps, you know, it keeps bringing you back, man. It's been so much fun to see the progress and, and, uh, and just, you know, playing and, and going to these courses, man, it's a lot of fun to, to interact with others. Like I've said previously, but the courses out here in Utah are fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. Beautiful. It's just a shame that it's a seasonal game for us Utahns. Yeah. The wicked wind and snow of the winter, which is unfortunate, nonetheless. So quickly, like you, so what would you score? What did you used to score before you caught the bug, and where are you at now? Oh man, like I was, I would be lucky to like. So I would bring like eight, ten balls to to golf, and I would be lucky to have one by the end of the night. Like it was rough before. Like I had a wicked slice, um, like. You know, I was high twenty, like twenty above. You know, thirty six in a nine round, you know, nine hole round in that. But now it's, you know, last night I shot a forty six. 
um, you know, on nine holes, which was pretty good. It included a triple bogey in there. So, I mean, that kind of, you know, shows you the, the other eight holes. And, and it's just like, man, it's just, like I said, you just you hit the one, then you hit the next one, then you get, you know, you just get on a roll and it feels great. So right now, like, I'm playing for bogey, and as long as I get bogey, I'm happy. Like, it's it's great. I'm feeling good about my game. We'll, we'll have to go out and, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, see how you look on the uh, on the old golf course there, Tom. Bloody oath we need to get out. We need to get some of those out with us. Next thing we'll know, we'll have a Yeah. Tournament. You know, it's it's the Itchy Tazewell Tournament brought to you by yeah, man. Nate Wade Subaru, proud sponsor of the show. I mean, it's all going to be happening. Um, <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Thanks. And, and you know, I owe you a lot. Like, you've been a great example. You know, your your encouragement, your enthusiasm for it. Like, it's been fueling me, man. Like, every morning I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to make Tom proud today. And I, I mean, I don't actually say it, but now I'm going to actually going to say it, you know, because it's, it's been cool to have that um, interaction and, and, and just that conversation to have with you. And it's been a lot of fun to just to, to get into the game, man. It's addicting, like yeah. nobody's business, man. It's ridiculous, but it, the, it hurts the, it hurts the wallet though. That's for sure. It does Hurts, sting man. the wallet. So we're going to get to a point crying. where eventually we'll just get free rounds of golf. and, and then we'll That's, get- Yeah, man. We, we, you know, we could potentially turn this into a golf podcast, you know? I know. Like, it's, I mean, I it's know. Utah's golf world. I don't, I don't know if the listeners would love that, Steve, but we could give it a crack, see how they respond. <laughs> um, nonetheless, it is honestly, in my opinion anyway, the most challenging game I've ever, I've ever known. Yeah. And uh, for me, that's part of part of the addiction is yeah. you want to get better, you want to get better, you want to get better. And if you've got perseverance inside of you, you'll catch the bug sooner rather than later. I caught it, oh, I don't know, eight years ago now or something, and I've been on a steady incline ever since. Um, I'm getting to the point, though, I think, where if I, am to, if I were to get better, like that much better, I'd need to play almost every day, and I don't have that in me. So I think I'm near and maxing out my ability, which is uh, – Sad to say, but yeah, it doesn't uh, doesn't mean the golf isn't less fun. Right? Yeah. Um, hey, we've got a bit to cover on, on the show today. It'll be a fun show. We're excited again. Everybody's tuning in to listen. Espartel247 is where you can follow Steve on Twitter. I'm uh, at Tom Can't Hack It. Steve, is that your, your Instagram handle as well, at Espartel? Yeah, yep, same, yep. Okay, follow him on, on Instagram and, uh, and, and Twitter. He would greatly appreciate it. So... There's a lot of college football news, Steve, and a lot of it's daunting. It's starting to become a lot more of a pessimistic uh, conversation when it comes to college football and what to expect in just a couple of months. And I guess we'll start with the Big Ten. Uh, Yesterday announced they're going to go to a non-conference schedule. Now, that announcement came a few days after the Ivy League announced that they're cancelling all four sports. So the Ivy League's not taking any risk whatsoever. They said, we're done, which I think holds weight, Steve, because if if you remember correctly, uh, or if I remember correctly, I should say, back in March, February, March, the Ivy League was the first conference to cancel their basketball championship tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, what we saw was a number of conferences, uh, every conference rather, follow suit. 
Um, and so it, it'll be really interesting. The rumor is that the Pac-12 is going to follow in the Big Ten footsteps and eliminate uh, non-conference games from their schedule. I guess, what were your immediate thoughts, Steve, when you heard the news? Pretty surprising. Um, just because a lot of the talk over the last couple of weeks has been, you know, a decision coming, you know, towards the end of July and into August before these types of decisions and announcements will be made. So from that aspect, pretty surprising. Um, but I had spoken with somebody a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, that, you know, obviously they have a good, good feel for what's going on with, you know, not just Utah football, but you know, Pac-12 and, and other things. And what he told me was that he, he expected, and this, again, this was back in towards the end of May, early part of June, he told me he expected a, a conference only schedule. And so, you know, from that point, from when he told me that, you know, we had, we were trending the right way. Things looked positive. It looked like we were going to get Utah BYU September 3rd. Things were looking good. And then all of a sudden over the last couple of weeks, it's just truly really taken a dive. And, you know, I can't say that this decision in and of itself is surprising the fact that we are going to see conference only schedules, but I think just the timing of it all really kind of uh, is, was the most surprising aspect of it all. Um, and I think obviously there are implications, you know, with the other conferences, it's not just the big 10, but other conferences were impacted by this, you know, with, with the cancellation of those games, because, you know, Oregon had a matchup with Ohio State. Washington had a matchup with Michigan. You know, and then obviously locally uh, with uh, with the team down south, they had, you know, a handful of, of Big Ten matchups as well. And so that hurts them and puts a little bit more stress on, on their program. You know, obviously, Utah doesn't have a Big Ten program on the schedule. So, you know, th- themselves, they're not impacted by that decision, but it will impact – I think can lead to, you know, the rest of the Power Five conferences to follow suit in this decision to go conference only. And I think, you know, for the most part, I think it's a wise decision because you're able to ensure that there are certain standards and certain levels of of action being taken, you know, by the programs in your conference. You can't guarantee that um, with with other programs like a Montana State or a Wyoming or a BYU even uh, just because, you know, they aren't under your same um, guidance uh, with the conference. So uh, we'll see, man. It's, it's pretty surprising. What was your reaction to it yesterday, Tom? Yeah. I I wasn't all that surprised, Steve. I, yeah. I just, uh, I think where we're at as a country right now, we're in uh, a bit of disarray. There's a fair bit chaos, just in so many different aspects, and uh, college football, NCAA as a whole, I I think right now they're uh, lost, you know, for lack of a better word. I just think no governing body, Steve, these decisions that are being made are solely independent based on conferences, um, which is an issue. Uh, that there needs to be some unity uh, between conferences, Power Five conferences. Look, we're all fighting. They're all fighting for the same goal, and that's to win a national championship. And mm-hmm. uh, all 120-odd Division 1A schools and teams 
you know, albeit there are a handful of them that, that know that they're not going to get to that point. They're still hopeful to win as many games as possible and, and, and make an impact and yeah. their program heard. And, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, that helps. And fan base engagement, vital. Um, at the end of the day, it comes down to money. Uh, and that's how it's always been. It's business. It's a pretty high level uh, brand of, of sport, you know, not just football, but all the other sports. That are that are being played in the in the in the fall or, or spring, mm-hmm. never for that matter. You know, it's a pretty good standard. It's it's not easy to make college, the college level. So uh, I, I wasn't surprised. I was. Uh, I think it'll hurt Utah. Um, what the Big Ten did, and and I say that just from a financial standpoint. Utah, and it's no secret. Utah's down the bottom end of the Pac-12 when it comes to budget size. Um, Competing against the likes of Nike and Oregon, USC, seasoned uh, veteran uh, who's had tremendous success over the years. UCLA is a powerhouse. You know, there are so many powerhouses. Washington now has established themselves as a dominant program within the conference. Uh, and so I think it'll sting Utah. Look, you lose out on money. And at the end of the day, these these athletic departments do rely solely on money. A lot of that, a vast majority of that, comes from football and the sales that are made and uh, ticket sales, merchandise, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is. There's a ton of money that comes into the wallet of any athletic department during football season. And so uh, it certainly hurts. You lose out on the highest television rights and, uh, television contract money, uh, you guarantee you Ohio State, Oregon would have been nationally broadcast game and there's a good chance Washington, Michigan would have been as well. So um, so it stings. But it doesn't right. stings. In fact, Steve, I, I actually think that this is kind of the first domino of a number of dominoes to potentially fall. I think there'll be more changes over the coming weeks if nothing, if nothing eventuates regarding the coronavirus what what do you think yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens you know over the next few weeks and just to to go back to your point about just the money uh, involved with football and college football i i don't think people really understand how much money is actually how important that money is that uh, that football generates it pays for a lot and it's not just you know, for the concessions, you know, at the stadium, like it pays for a number of other sports, basically every other sport, right? It's the only profit, the revenue generating sport like that, you know, for, for most colleges anyways, you know, a lot of other programs have basketball that generate revenue for, but for most it's heavily dependent upon football and it pays the cost for flights, hotels, food, you know, everything, uh, everything, um, is, is covered by the revenue that, that football generates. And so it's obviously, it's vital, not just to an athletic department, but to a university as a whole, because, you know, your student athletes are what students first. And so you need those students, you know, there and on campus. And when you have those guys, like there's a lot of, you know, just a lot going on with students on campus. So uh, football is, it's, it's everything to a, a university. And so, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, with the loss of 
these non-conference games. You know, potentially Pac-12 hasn't announced anything officially just yet, but obviously all signs point to that being the case. And so, you know, then you got to look at what changes are going to be made. Like, is is the Pac-12 going to go – are they going to stick with a nine-game conference schedule or are they going to add two more games? What kind of impact does that have on Utah's season? You know, they don't have – Stanford and Oregon on the schedule, which is pretty favorable. But if you add those two games in, like, you know, that, that makes the the schedule quite a bit tougher. You know, Stanford obviously is debatable. Utah's kind of had their way with Stanford, but you know, you've got that. What happens with fans and with tailgating, like all of these things, I think we're going to, to learn over the next couple of weeks, like you uh, alluded to, I think we're going to see what happens. And, you know, if, we know that they've got contingency plans for uh, fan attendance, certain percentages of fans and who can be allowed and, and all types of things. And I think we'll see a lot of that coming down the pipe over the next few weeks. And, uh, and uh, it is going to be really, really interesting to see what Utah, especially with how this, uh, coronavirus has been going lately like i think today they announced 867 new cases just today alone like that's crazy that's absurd and so it's only going to it's only going to get worse it seems like and so you know we'll see man but things don't look good things don't look promising and and again this is just kind of the roller coaster ride that it's been right like man we were talking just a, you know a few months ago things didn't look great then we were talking a couple weeks ago things are looking good like we're going to be back Bicycle Stadium, September 3rd, and, and now here we are again. So, you know, who knows really, but it's uh, we'll, we'll be getting some some news, like you alluded to, uh, coming down the pipe with certain things in regards to all of this. The future is certainly unknown, and you and I aren't here to talk about what the future holds, but we're certainly here to take our best guesses. Um, and again, you know, your guess is as good as mine, Steve. The future of not just college sports, but sports in general, the economy, the country as a whole. I mean, everything everything right now is up in arms and there's a big fat question mark sitting over the United States of America. So, uh, I, you know, going back to my original points, the fact that the NCAA doesn't have a governing body, what, what you know, I'm pretty confident in saying, I think fans, followers of, the NCAA, and it doesn't just have to be football, whatever you're passionate about, whether it be gymnastics, women's, men's basketball, whatever it is, I I think what we'll soon learn and what will become very, very evident is that it is not run the way it needs to be run. Um, The NCAA is organized chaos, It is, it's really, really painful, you know, especially considering you and I know more than most just to kind of see it all unfold and hear certain things. And it's just uh, like, for example, in Mark Harlan's office yesterday, news broke about the Big Ten and he came across as if that was the first time he'd ever heard of it. Like that. And and it's like, yeah. And I know they had a pretty good idea that the Ivy League was cancelling and they had an idea that was going to occur a few days before it did. But I don't think they had much of an idea that the Big Ten was going to cancel non-conference games. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys – like what? There's no communication. Well, that's that's the crazy thing about it is 
according to other commissioners, Greg Sankey, uh, Bob Bolsey, I think is, is the guy over the big 12. Like they had communication with all of the, all of the commissioners of, of each conference. All of them have been talking over the last month or so on a regular basis, basically every day. I think Greg Sankey said they talk every day and there was no indication that the big 10 was going to do this. And it's like, if, if this is like, if you guys are talking all the time and, and you still this, this blindside you, what is going on? Like, what are we doing here? And I think you've seen it throughout Twitter is that, you know, the NCAA and, and with how it's currently set up, like it needs a, a single person. It needs somebody up at the top to make the decision for, uh, for the, the, the conferences as a whole, I think, cause this is just, it's a mess and, and you're getting the comments from all of the commissioners, Greg Sankey again, like he's like, he, like I said, he just completely blindsided by this. I haven't seen Larry Scott comment on this yet, but I'm sure he had no idea it was coming either. So man, change has got to happen. Cause this is, this is nuts, man. No, it's like, it's, it's Steve. It's like, they're in the 1970s. They're operating like they're in the 1970s. And if they need to get a message across, you better have a stamp available because it has to go in the mail. Uh, and I'm just thinking, like, come on, people. Like, yeah. I, get why, I get why they don't want to change. I get it because it's a billion-dollar industry. The NCAA wipes their you-know-what with $100 bills. They make stupid money and, and they don't want to change because why would, why would you change something when you're making as much money as they are? Um, but I think we're at a point now where change is necessary. The pandemic has eluded everybody to that. It will continue to elude people and make it more and more evident. Uh, the more chaos and confusion uh, that ensues. So I, um, boy, I, I'm concerned. I certainly am. I was rather optimistic, I must say, uh, just a couple of weeks ago that we would have a college football season. Uh, but now I sit here today and I think I just have a really hard time seeing it happen. Uh, and like I said earlier, you know, I think this Big Ten and the potentially the Pac-12 going to a conference season only, I think that's just one of the first dominoes to fall. I, I think. The next domino, Steve, would be that, and again, my, just my best guess, this isn't inside information that I've received. Uh, I think the Pac-12 South plays the Pac-12 South. I think the Pac-12 North plays the Pac-12 North. I think the winner of the Pac-12 South Conference plays the winner of the Pac-12 North Conference. And that's the season. What is it? There's have the six teams, so you've got five. Five games. Five games. And then a sixth if you make it to the championship game. Like that, that to me is, I think, where we're headed. And I don't even know if that'll happen in the fall. Like that might happen in right. the spring. Um, and so uh, I, I, I just don't see any other way. Like people I know that listen to this podcast are probably thinking, why, why would Utah get rid of BYU from their schedule but continue to play I can't remember the upcoming schedule, but Washington in Washington, for example. You know, like, I get why they, but the reason's really simple. You eliminate non-conference games because all you're doing is eliminating three games from the schedule. It makes things a little easier to uh, try and figure out. 
you don't have as many games to worry about. And right. Uh, but again, I, I I don't know what you think. Uh, I don't know how much thought you put towards it, but I, I reckon that we're we're headed down a path where the Pac-12 South will play the Pac, and then you know what? If that doesn't work out, there's just not going to be any football. So I don't know what you'd do after that. Pretty interesting, man. I I hadn't thought of that. Just south only, north. I hadn't thought of that. But I think, you know, from a logistical standpoint, like it makes, you know, certainly I think if you're going to have to, you know, cut down the schedule to just a minimal amount of games, um, I think that's definitely (laughs) a way to do it. I think, you know, we've talked about, you know, the, the benefits of eliminating the non-conference games. And part of it, again, goes just goes back to testing and monitoring, um, you know, player health and, and that, and, and that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, conference, conference within the conference, I think that that is an interesting idea. And, and I think we are in for a season where it's going to be just unexpected, after unexpected event, just all types of craziness. There will be games. I'm sure there's going to be a game or two that's canceled because kids test positive for, for it. And there's, there's going to be other things. And so I think we may, like you said, we may get to the point where it is just going to be the South teams versus South teams. And that's it. You get five games this year and that's it. And I think that that would not shock me at all just because of, you know, how much time are we actually going to have where players are all healthy there, you know, you can ensure their safety. Cause I mean, all of this stuff is going to cost money and without those funds being generated without fans in the stands, without concession, with all that stuff coming in, like it's hard. So it's, it's super scary where we're headed right now. It does not look good at all. Hey, I, uh, to change the conversation slightly, I, I was playing golf with Colton Swan two weeks ago now. And uh, those that don't know or are unfamiliar, Utah football linebackers coach, Colton Swan. How's he swing it? He can swing it pretty good. He has okay. a bit of a cut, little slice occasionally, but he makes good contact. and Okay. Rally, rally some, some shots consecutively, which is fun. But, yeah, I, the conversation is kind of all I care about when I play golf with coaches or whoever i i just you know try and make good conversation have a good time and yeah golf is secondary but um i asked him an interesting question that i i think you you would be intrigued in too i said how have you been able to recruit uh at utah like because i noticed steve and you'd know more so i won't tread on your feet too much but he's had quite a bit of success recruiting at utah in the short period of time that he's been there and he gave an interesting answer. He said that he focuses a lot of his attention on creating uh, relationships with prospects' parents. Um, and, of course, he, he puts a lot of attention to the prospect themselves, but he actually adds, you know, maybe more weight and puts a lot of focus uh, and, and is constantly speaking with the parents of the prospect. And I thought that was interesting because I asked him, a follow-up question was, um, do not all coaches do that? I just assumed every coach would would also talk to the parents of the prospect, but he mentioned that n- not all coaches do that. And I'm yeah. like, it didn't make any sense to me, Steve. Why, why would they not speak to the parents? 
Well, it's not so much that they don't speak to them, but I think it's just a thing where you're not, you're not recruiting them. Let's say that, right? So how the type of effort that these coaches in to recruit players, you know, we, we know what they do. It's, it's nonstop communication. It's answering all types of questions. You're winning these, you're trying to win these kids over. And I think for, you know, for a couple of years as Utah made the transition into the Pac-12, I think that there was a lot of learning that Utah went through on the recruiting trail and learning how it's done, you know, at this level. And I think it wasn't too long ago that Utah, you know, the parents were often the decision makers in, in a lot of decisions that went the other way, you know, where kids ended up at other schools. And so I think for Utah, they've learned that the parents are an important factor. And so, you know, where these kids aren't, you know, particularly right now where they're not able to visit schools and visit campuses, you know, it's important to recruit the parents and to build that relationship with the parents because that just gives you like an added voice. You know, yeah. if you're able to, to win the recruits parents over that and they're, they're going to battle for you as well, like that just adds to your message. So it's, it's a great tactic and it's something that Utah's definitely gotten, you know, made more of a focus over the last couple of years is, you know, developing that relationship with the parents. It's super important. Super important. And I understand like every family dynamics different. And yeah. I've been a family, both my parents still married. Uh, for the most part, I'd, I'd say pretty healthy family. Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, although always kind of difficult because I didn't, you know, you don't spend a ton of time at other people's family homes, you know, unless you're over there hanging out with, with your friends. But I'd like to think that my family home was healthy and uh, the conversations that took place were were good conversations that, that needed to be had. There was a lot of fun, a lot of laughter. And, uh, but, but what I'm getting at is, for me, uh, like if I was 16, 17, any big decision that was about to be made, my, I mean, my parents, whether I liked it or not, for, and fortunately I did, you know, I, yeah. they would have a say. They would have right. a say. Uh, but I guess, I guess that's not, that's not the case for everybody, is it? There are families out there that uh, maybe their parents are divorced or the relationship with their mum or dad or both are uh, not as good as, as others. And so I, I guess I understand. I would like to think, though, that most prospects that Utah's going after, I, I mean, and from my personal experience being inside the locker room, I think most of my teammates back in the day had a pretty good family home, some mm-hmm. better of course but for the most part you know it uh people spoke to their parents frequently when they're in utah so. yeah yeah man like it's and it's it's just one of those things where i think you kind of take it for granted you know as as a coach where if you if you put all of your focus into the player himself and you you don't necessarily you know build that relationship with the parents it's not something that um I don't think it's something that you, you really kind of realize that you're doing, I guess. But I think when you make it a point of emphasis, like I said earlier, it's just it gives you that added voice. And when you provide those parents that, you know, special experience, that relationship with them, that's something where, you know, when it comes down to decision time, like, and, and parents and, and recruit are talking about where they want to end up, you know, parents are going to say, you know, I really like Coach Swan really enjoy the relationship. And that's a positive thing 
you know, for these kids that they'll, they'll factor into their decision, uh, which is great. And, you know, the, the, the relationship between the program and, and this is something that you were, you were talking about and you can speak more to is I think Utah has done a much better job of, and I don't want to say that they were ever bad at it, you know, but I think they've really kind of made it a point of extending that family atmosphere and that family culture, you know, from outside the locker room to the families and really getting them into that family culture and, 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 and atmosphere. Where is, uh, where's Utah at from a recruiting standpoint at the minute, Steve? Is there anything going on? You know, it's, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting over the next couple of months. I do, there's some new, so there's some offers going out to a lot of defensive backs and, uh, and a lot of safety prospects in particular. So we're going to see, I think, a few offers going out to some new, new names on the trail and then also some receivers. So it'll be fun. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens over the next months with some of these new names. But again, Utah, with what they have currently in the class, um, they've got seven commits. They've got missionaries returning. So this, the class is a little bit smaller than what it appears you know, when you go to 24-7 sports, you look at the commitment list, and you only see seven. You go to a school like Arizona where they've got 13, and, you know, you're looking at it like, man, what the hell, Utah? What are you doing? Why are you dragging your feet? Where are all these commitments? But they do have missionaries. And then and I do think that they're in a pretty good spot with a handful of prospects that could commit, you know, at any time. Mason Tufaga is uh, is a linebacker out of Hawaii. You've got the local prospects, Logan Fano. and and Omarion Fa'amoe is, is Michael Mokofisi is, is another name. All of these kids are, uh, are, are kids that Utah is making a priority in this class. And, you know, there's a lot of confidence that ultimately they'll end up at Utah. But really, I mean, they could announce a commitment at any time. So, you know, Utah is doing well. And because they have the, the kids that they do committed and then they have a good idea of, you know, who else – is likely to commit. That's allowing them a lot of time to recruit some of these higher rated targets like a Kingsley Suamataia out of Orem or an Ethan Calvert, who's a four-star linebacker out of Oaks Christian, you know, whose brother plays at UCLA and has another brother up at Washington. So Utah's making a strong push for him and, you know, other prospects as well. So Utah's in a great spot right now, despite just having seven commits, you know, in the class. Uh, they're they're doing really really well, I think. You mentioned uh, yeah, you mentioned a Mokafisi related to yeah. Philippe O. Uh, yeah, for his dad. Yes, yeah. So he's out of Woods Cross, which is you know where where the younger Flip played um, his high school ball. He's a little bit bigger than than Flip than Flip was coming out of high school. I think Flip was like what two thirty five or something like that. Like he was. He was not a big guy coming out of high school, but his brother, younger younger brother, Michael Mokofisi, is a big kid, 6'3", 300 pounds already. He's a big boy, so uh, look for him to, uh, you know, to end up at Utah. They're doing really well with him. I, I imagine he's more of a defensive tackle time, not so much. Oh, yeah. Him. Yeah, pretty, you know, pretty prototypical defensive tackle type. He's not the tweener. You know, defensive end, defensive tackle. He's, you know, he's defensive tackle all the way, interior guy all the way. Six three three hundred. That'll do it to him. But uh, <laughs> must be nice, I guess, to be the, you know, seventeen, eighteen years of age and have that sort of size. Jeez, man. 
That's unbelievable. Hey, before we get out of here, I've got to give you some props. Uh, we have a, a colleague, uh, or I have a colleague over at KSL Sports, Trevor Allen. It's worth giving him a plug. He, he has his own podcast, Crimson Corner, that, that uh, you know, go check out. It's a good little piece. Different to ours, although Utah football-based. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Utah football, Utah basketball. Yes, basketball. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he, he found a way to get Urban Meyer on the podcast, Steve, which is a pretty Yeah, saw that. And uh, good for Trevor for doing that. Urban said he doesn't think it's possible for college football to have a spring. And I know you said that a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not saying Urban listened to this podcast. There's a chance he might have. <laughs> well, I mean, secret's out. You know, me and Urban, you know, we text back and forth all the time. You know, we've got a long-time relationship. You know, I remember, you know, me and him running into each other when he was out here at SLC I was just a 14-year-old kid around that time that he was making his run at Utah. I ran into him and, you know, made a funny joke, and we've been best friends ever since. So me and Urban, we talk about this all the time, but, you know, he's – he's me and him, we're – no, I'm just kidding. Me and Ur- – I don't know Urban. Urban doesn't know me. Um, but, yeah, I think spring ball, it's just it's, – it's just too hard, man. You can't do it. You can't do spring ball. It's too hard. And I know that there's been, like – I know there's been uh, – a growing talk of of football in spring, but it's just, man, I just don't see how it's going to work. I, I'm, you know, I can't see it, Tom. Can't see it. Urban's with you. His Urban mentioned that just the the strain, uh, the physicality on the players, too much. Yeah, he said it's it's too much. And I, you know what, I thought it wasn't going to be that bad. But granted, I punted. I did not get touched. I was wrapped up in cotton wool and uh, my body was perfect by the time I got done with the season. In fact, I was perfect. another season directly after. I was like, man, my body feels, you know, I'm feeling like I'm at my peak right now. Flexing. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. But Urban's, yeah, Urban did say he just thinks, you know, too much strain, too much physicality on, on 18 year olds bodies. Yep. Uh, dangerous. He mentioned. So, um, Anyway, it'll be it'll be fascinating. That conversation, I think, will continue. We'll have continue to have to have that conversation over the coming yep. weeks because that'll be more and more prevalent as time uh, time goes on. Hey, uh, Ute Zone, what's been? I guess quickly, what's been the biggest talking point out of the Ute, Ute Zone VIP boards as of late? I know you live on those things, Steve. It is your job, I guess. It is my job. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of concern right now, and a lot of the talk at UteZone.com is. Um, you know, what student athletes are at risk of, of being deported. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a tough topic to talk about, but you know, there are a lot of international students at Utah and with, you know, the ICE and, and what they've decided, you know, with online class, you know, not so much, but with online classes and, and kids not needing to be on campus, you know, their decision to deport a lot of these student athletes, there's a lot of fear, a lot of, anxiety about what could happen. And so, you know, that's kind of been the big talking point, but outside of that, like we're talking recruiting, we're talking, you know, what the season might look like. So there's a lot going on at Ute Zone, like there always is. But, you know, again, if you haven't checked us out, come check us out. Free trial, seven day free trial. Um, You can come check out the boards. You can read, I think on the trial, you can, you can even comment, um, Maybe not. Don't hold me to that. And if you can't, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, but come check us out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You can DM me if you want. Whatever. But yeah, youtube.com. 
Newtown.com. It is uh, it is a fun little board, little uh, website you guys run over there. A lot of lot of subscribers, a lot of avid yeah. fans that want to have their voices heard. I, I do think quickly regarding the student athletes, international student athletes. I was of course one of them. I, I yeah, my best guess, and of course we don't know, but I think there will be exemptions made. I hope so. United States government and the governments from where these these kids are from. Uh, for Ben Lennon, for example, you know, I think the Australian government and, and the immigration uh, departments will find a way to make it work. It just you know, it doesn't make any sense. And if it doesn't, then you know, I don't know what to say. That's yeah, that's sad and uh, unfortunate uh, and, quite frankly, the wrong decision. Uh, but that's neither here. Yeah. We don't need to get into politics. Um, Steve, you're, you're a blast, as you are every week. I pre- you look bloody good to that haircut. Is Thanks, man. Feel good, you man. You look good. You, you look like you feel good. Everything's working. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and life couldn't be better for you. Uh, Carousalsports.com, highly recommend you go check that out. Yes. Utone.com, uh, and, of course, our sponsors, Nayway Subaru. 1207 South Main Street's the location. Uh, really easy going people down there. There's a reason you see so many Subarus on the road. The vast majority of them do come from Nateway, the oldest Subaru dealership in North America. That's Steve Bartle. I'm Tom Hackett. We'll be back same time, I think-ish, same place next week. This is the It's Utah's World podcast. 